What's going on, everybody? Caleb Carter here, and you are listening to the Royal Pursuit Podcast. And today is going to be a lot of fun, because today we're going to be talking about one of the pillars of the faith, Father Abraham. We often look at Father Abraham as this pillar because he was so willing to obey God, even to the point of sacrificing his own son. But what we learn about Abraham is that he had to become the father of failure long before he became the father of faith. So we're going to look back at the Old Testament, and then we're going to look forward to Jesus, and we're going to grow together. So sit back, relax, and let's have a conversation. Let's jump in. Okay, so here we go. Father Abraham, we know he had many sons. And this is something that most people have heard in their lives. Even if they're not Christians or they haven't spent any time in a church, most people here in the Midwest especially know who Abraham is. And, and in the faith tradition, we call him the father of faith. And we do that because of one major reason. Abraham was the beginning of this covenant promise. And Abraham has this act in his story where God calls him to the mountain calls him to sacrifice his one and only son. And Abraham, at this point, faithfully follows what God has called him to do. He's obedient, and he takes his son to the mountain, and he almost sacrifices him. But God intervenes in the last minute and saves him from doing that. And so it's a super cool and inspiring story. But I think for a lot of us, it's almost inaccessible because I can't relate to that. If God came down today and told me to sacrifice my son, I don't think I could go through with it. And so for so many of us, we look at that and it's like, I don't know how to relate to it. But what I want to share with you today is that Abraham had to be the father of failure long before he became the father of faith. And we're going to look at scripture and we're going to see three major movements that happened three times throughout his story from Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 25. We see this pattern over and over and over again, and then the pattern ends with this amazing act of faith with his son Isaac. So what we're going to see is a call, a promise, and some failure over and over and over again. And I want to encourage you that as you continue reading the Bible, as you continue immersing yourself in the text, these connections will become more and more clear. I didn't see this for several years of reading my Bible. Until one day I started following Abraham's story, and it finally connected. And I was like, oh my goodness, look at this theme. Over and over and over again, this keeps happening. And so for you as the listener, as you get more familiar with your texts, you'll start to make more connections. You'll start to see more beauty, more architecture in this word. And so that's what I want to do. I want to start with Genesis chapter 12. Because this is where Abraham call or this is where God calls Abraham. And I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis 12, verse 1. It goes, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Okay, so did you catch that? There was a call and a promise. God comes to Abraham. And he calls him out of the land of his fathers, tells him to go to a land that he'll show him. That's the call. That's it. And then he says, 
and I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. That's the promise. And so Abraham decides to take the call and believe in the promise. And this is verse 2 that we read. And it's not but eight verses later is Abraham already falling short. In verse 10, it goes, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, and I'm just going to say Sarah. I don't know how else to pronounce it. I've never been able to pronounce her first name correctly. He says to her, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. And so in this instance, Abraham or Abram has already decided that God's promise is going to fall flat because I'm dead. How is this going to work if I don't get to live through the rest of this story? And so Abraham begins to scheme and he creates this plan of deception to keep himself alive. And so it's a failure right out of the gate. And I just think that is so fascinating because we often forget this story. And so that's our first cycle we see in Abraham's story. Now, there's a lot that happens right after that, but I don't want this podcast episode to be three hours. So we're going to go ahead and jump to Genesis chapter 15, because after a whole bunch of stuff has happened with his cousin Lot and Sodom, we see this pattern happen again. Genesis 15, verse 1, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In a vision, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. See, this is the call. God is telling Abram, keep going. Don't be afraid. I know these things continue to pop up. I know they continue to scare you, but I am here. Keep pushing forward. And then in verse 4 of chapter 15, here comes the promise. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay, here we have the promise again. So the call to keep pushing forward, keep going. And then the promise that I'm going to make you into a great nation. But notice this problem, or problem, this promise has grown. It's become more specific. God reassures Abraham, it's going to happen. It's not going to come through one of your slaves or servants. It's going to come through your own heir. It's going to come through your bloodline. So God is taking another step to reassure Abraham. And so we have a call and we have a promise. And right after all this, we see failure once again. In chapter 16, verse 1, his wife Sarah begins to think, starts worrying. And it reads, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Listen to that phrase, perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah took his wife, or his wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. So what's happening here is Sarah's looking at herself, 
and she's getting older, and she's saying, things aren't happening. Something needs to change. We're going to need to do something about this. And so, and so instead of just clinging to what God had said would happen, she devises this plan, this scheme, just like Abraham had, and decides to use one of their servants, Hagar. And Abraham just agrees. He goes along with it. And so we see this failure once again to trust that God is in control, to trust that he has this story. So a call, a promise, and failure the second time. So now we'll move on to the third time. This happens in Genesis 17. It begins, 17 verse 1, it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. That's the call. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. You will be the father of many nations. This is verse 4. Into verse 5, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. After you go, or after you, for the generations to come, to be your God, the God of your descendants after you. Okay, and so then later in this same chapter, as he's still talking, it says, God said in verse 19, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Okay, so we see this again for the third time. We have the call to walk before God blamelessly and faithfully. And then we have the promise that he's going to be made into a, na- or many, a father of many nations. He'll become incredibly fruitful. And God even becomes more specific with this promise the, th- the third time and says, not only will this child come from your wife, Sarah, his name will be Isaac, a call and a promise. And so then I'll ask you, what do you think happens next? Failure. So as crazy as it would sound, after all of this, Isaac isn't born yet, and Abraham is moving around, and they settle in this land, Gerar. And there Abraham says, this is Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. Okay, so what's happening is we're seeing a complete repeat from the first pattern. Abraham and Sarah are moving around and they settle in this land and there's these powerful kings. Abraham's getting nervous. How is this going to work? What happens if they take her and they kill me? And so he does the whole thing over again and lies about who his wife is. And God intervenes in the story and saves Sarah and rescues Abraham and nothing happens. God cleans up after Abraham and Sarah yet again. And I, I, I'll be honest, as selfish as it sounds, I'm encouraged by this. Abraham has failed three times in a row. Now, granted, between Genesis 12 and 20, Abraham does some amazing things. He acts faithfully. He acts righteously. But all along the way, he's screwing up. And I, I just don't think that we can overlook that. We have to take this into consideration before we look at what happens with Abraham and Isaac on the mountain. And that's what happens, you see, because this third screw-up comes right before Isaac is born. And then 
right after Isaac is born, God comes to him and tells him, I want you to go and take Isaac, the one you love, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I'll show you. I mean, imagine that. Abraham has been waiting decades for this promise to start. He is screwed up. He's tried to make it his own. And God decides to put Abraham to the test to see, do you trust me now? Have you learned? And what's so amazing about this chapter, chapter 22, is that Abraham does exactly what God says. And I know for a lot of people, they get so hung up on this story. How could God ask Abraham to do that? But hang with me for a moment, and let's just work this out. Could it be that God is trying to say, Abraham, do you trust me now? I promised you that I'm going to make you into this nation of many people, that you're going to be a blessing to the world. I promised you it would be Isaac, and I promised you he'd come from Sarah. Do you trust me? And after everything that Abraham has been through, he decides to trust God. And that's what I want to share with you today, that would Abraham have really done this had he not failed and watched God come through these three different times? Over and over and over again, Abraham failed. But if he hadn't dropped the ball, would he have done this? Would he have known God so intimately to know that, man, I don't know what's going on, but I know God has promised me, and he has carried me through time and time and time again. I I just, I can't help but think, what an amazing experience. And for us, what does that say to us? Because to be honest with you, I think we're in the exact same place as Abraham. We too have been given a call and a promise. And it happens in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. And our call and promise comes from Jesus. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's the call. And I will give you rest. That's the promise. He says it again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am humble or gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Think about that. A call and a promise. And if we're anything like Abraham, and we totally are, what's going to come after that promise? Failure. And lots of it. And I think that is such a liberating thing for us today to dwell on, that we are going to fail. We're going to fall short. We're going to act on our own. We're not going to trust the story at times, and we're going to try to make it work for ourselves. But over and over and over again, God will step in and he'll clean things up. He'll be there for us. And I just think, what a powerful testimony. We can look at Abraham and we can actually begin to relate to Abraham. And I think about our faith tradition as a whole. There are so many different religions in the world. And a lot of them talk about the life that we're supposed to live, how things should be in this life. But there's no promise at the end of this life. It's just how to live today but there's no guarantee for tomorrow. And when that's the case, it leaves you exhausted, burnt out, wondering, have you done enough to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve? They're all call and no promise. And there's other religions that are all promise and no call. They talk about leaving this life or reaching some kind of higher status 
but they don't give you instructions on how to live or what to expect. All promise and no call leaves you aimless and wandering and shifting from one time to the next. But that's not what we see in the Bible. God not only calls us to a certain life, but he promises what it will provide and what will come next. And man, like if you think about that, if you really think about that, that is such a unique element of our belief system. And what that means, what that means is that we cannot lose when we're in Christ, that nothing can hurt us. We will fail. We will fall down. We'll get bumps and bruises and scratches, but we can't lose because he's here for us. And I think for me, there's three things that we can do when we find ourselves doubting, when we find ourselves amidst this situation and we're wondering, is he really for me? The first thing we do is we look back. The second thing we do is we look around. And the third thing we do is we look forward. We look back, we look around, we look forward. We look back to see all the times that God has rescued us, all the things that he's done for us. That's what Abraham had to do when he called him to sacrifice his only son. We look around and we see all the places that God is at work, all the things that he's doing. And then we look forward to that promise, what he is going to give us, what he says that he'll provide for us. And I think when we do those three things, we can step outside of that storm and see all we have to do is be obedient and accept that call and believe that promise. We'll fail our way through, but that's how you develop a life of faith. It's only through failure. It's only through trial and error coming to learn who God is and how good he is. And so today's a little bit shorter of an episode, but I think it's a powerful one to reflect on this life of Abraham, to reflect on how he's just another guy trying to be faithful. And we can look at that and we can respect it and we can learn from his journey. We can learn from his experiences and we can go out and we can live faithfully. We can go out, accept that call and believe the promise. And so I hope this was encouraging to you. I hope you found some comfort knowing that you are not alone in failure and that faith is a journey. It comes and it builds over a lifetime. You're not behind. Keep following, keep believing, and keep in community together as we do this. So it's the end of the show today. I hope this has made sense. I hope you found yourself encouraged, not just entertained. I hope you found yourself convicted, but never condemned. And I hope you realize that you are a royal priesthood. You've been adopted. God has big plans for you, but all it takes is accepting that call and believing the promise. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. I love you guys. We'll talk soon.